baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 40 percent. That's what the ranks of the Minneapolis Police Department are down since uh, George Floyd was murdered uh, and then the civil unrest that followed. Forty percent. We've talked many, many times about efforts to get more cops on the street in Minneapolis. And uh, Chief Brian O'Hara has talked to us about that on several different occasions. Well, a plan was reached last week between the union and the city. Uh, that would have put some incentives, financial incentives, for new hires and current officers. And yesterday, after we were off the air, the Minneapolis City Council uh, refused to even hear uh, that plan. They voted to not even discuss it. Uh, So we welcome Minneapolis Police Chief Brian O'Hara into the conversation. He joins us on the John Schuster Cobalt Banker Hotline. Chief, thank you so much, as always, for the time. When you hear yesterday that that vote happens, uh, your reaction to that? Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, I, I, I understand, uh, you know, some of the council members had frustrations with how they learned of the process and, and kind of how it was rolled out. Um, but for me and for the police officers that are here, um, this is something that had been spoken about with them over the course of months. Um, it's something that several months ago there was first a proposal before the union uh, so that the cops have been hearing about this for months while they continue to watch the department get smaller. Um, so, well, of course we respect, uh, you know, the political process and how things have to work out. It's clearly something that's, uh, frustrating to say the least and just disappointing for our members. Hey chief, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it. So, Tell us about that. You know, it, it's frustrating for the, the the police. It's frustrating to see their numbers dwindling. How are you guys doing it every day on the street? What are your greatest challenges? And what do you need the people of Minneapolis to know to so you can get the funding? This is a forum. Tell us what's going on because we're not in the city council meetings, at, you know, always. What do you need? So, so the department is about 40% smaller than it was just three years ago. Um, and that is not evenly distributed across the ranks. So obviously different units uh, had to collapse and disappear, um, and some components are smaller uh, by 50% or more than they had been just three years ago. So how, thing, how are we getting by? Um, it's just by the resilience of the, the, that 60% of the department that remain here. Um, I, I feel like at times there's been, you know, uh, in some ways incentives for some of the members to leave, and many of them have left for various reasons. Um, just like just like so many residents here, it's been incredibly traumatizing uh, to live through the destruction of the city uh, and things that have happened. Um, and, and frankly, they've just been up against uh, a lot of negativity um, and have just been struggling with a lot of negative mindsets. Um, and and I think the reality is this is the toughest job in policing in America today. I mean, they're clearly overworked, um, you know, understaffed, and certainly uh, under the highest level of scrutiny of officers anywhere. So it's difficult, um, you know, with 
all of that negativity um, to, to tell folks that they need to still uh, need to still be here when there's in some ways incentives for them to go off and do something else completely or go to quite frankly go to another agency and an easier job. Uh, but I think a lot of our officers, uh, you know, have 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 gotten good perspective. I think they're incredibly dedicated to the people. Uh, of this city and to each other, because we can't all leave. Because then, you know, who's going to be here for the 400,000 residents, and who's going to be here for each other when another officer calls for help? We're talking to uh, Minneapolis Police Chief Brian O'Hara, and the deal that was announced last week it, it pulls from a, a, some state funds, 19 million dollar pool of state funds that would give 18 thousand dollars to eligible officers over the next two and a half years, as well as 15 thousand dollars in incentive bonuses for new hires. Uh, talk about that money, and uh, would that be enough to keep a lot of these officers you're talking about uh, in Minneapolis, keep them from going to other communities? Well, I mean, frankly, I I don't think it's enough. Um, It's something. I think it will keep some people here, uh, but I think the reality is that, uh, you know, this this is the most difficult job that there is, um, and, you know, we need to ensure that the pay uh, reflects that as well. You know, the contract's been expired for almost a year. I know that's been very frustrating for our members. Um, but, you know, I, I think this is something. It's an initial step. I know when we were first talking about incentives to get people here, uh, the number was much higher. Um, this, is, this is what the agreement uh, has, has been, you know, became between the city and the federation. Uh, I'm confident that it will keep some people here. I know, uh, you know, half a dozen officers that we're talking about possibly coming over uh, from other agencies, specifically if this went through. So I know it's something. It's not going to solve the com- the problem completely, um, but we got to realize like we are at a crisis point in staffing, and we just got to start taking taking actions. Uh, staffing and also policy. I just want to move to this case. Um, about Cecil Wayman. Minneapolis police pulled over this guy for a broken headlight. And while he was driving home, this happened back in August. And the reason we're talking about this case is because um, in a search of the vehicle, there was a firearm that he yeah. wasn't allowed to have. Okay. And he was yeah. charged with being a felon because he was a previous felon as well as on the uh, level three sex offender list. Wasn't allowed to possess a gun, uh, but he did have one. The case has since been dismissed and he was yeah. released from jail because the, the new rule is that police are not allowed to pull over cars for just a broken headlight. Protectional stops. Yep. Yeah, protectional stops. So do is this change in policy making your job a lot harder? And I just want to hear your thoughts on that case. So first off, you know, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to try and bring some facts into this situation. Yes, it's very frustrating. You know, the Star Tribune and other media outlets here are very reckless when it comes to facts. A lot of times it seems like they have a story, they have a narrative written, and then they like to pick and choose which facts they want to insert to uh, you know, get the perspective. It's almost like you're reading an opinion piece and not actual news. So we have a settlement agreement, which some people call a consent decree mm-hmm. with the state. It is very specific on how the city must implement the requirements of that agreement. Those requirements to be con- not, do not become mandatory and binding by magic overnight. The city is required to go through a process of community engagement, get feedback, 
get policies drafted, then ultimately approved by the, by the MDHR, by the city, and then again presented to community before then training is developed to actually implement those policies. So when we read this article that the Minneapolis police, three days after the settlement agreement was signed, violated the rules, that's a flat-out lie. And it's a shame that there isn't more of an interest in trying to get facts out because it's very, very specific in the settlement agreement of how we are supposed to implement the requirements of that agreement. That being said, it is totally upon the prosecutor's office here, the county attorney's office, on how they want to how they want to charge, how they want to bring justice in individual cases. And it's their decision if they feel like uh, for whatever reason they don't want to charge or they want to dismiss charges, that is their decision to make. But it is totally disingenuous to try and assert that those police officers violated the settlement agreement as if those conditions became instantaneously rules overnight. I agree with you 100%, Chief. I read that article yesterday, and I, I saw that. I said, okay, this was three, da- three days after it, it was made. And look, it, it is clear that policing needed and needs to change in Minneapolis, and I get that, and I know those rules are put in place for a reason, but that's what I thought when reading that. It's like, you know, you don't just flip a switch, and every officer in the department knows exactly what the new rules are. Furthermore, I look at this case as okay, this is the poster boy, for lack of a better word, that we're using as a as a, right. a as an example of somebody who was wronged when you know God he has forbid a violent criminal history. Adam. God forbid something happens with this guy in the future. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time: baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Right. Yeah, well then some, some other folks would have to answer for that. Yeah. And also, Chief, you mentioned, you know, media outlets not being interested in the truth. We are. And and we're glad you're joining us and talking about this because you're right. Facts can get skewed and there are often nuances. And we are seeing a lot of crimes maybe go unprosecuted or underprosecuted in Minneapolis. And I don't know that this was the backlash that people wanted from the fallout of the murder of George Floyd. I mean, it, it's a work in progress, and I know there is a lot to be done, but this did seem like an egregious um, uh, maybe failure of putting a criminal back on the street. Yeah, I don't know uh, all the facts of that case. I know what I read. I know, you know, obviously there was, uh, the issue was raised about the settlement agreement, so I can only speak to, you know, what I am aware uh, and again, that's uh, th- those are decisions that are for prosecutors to make, right. not for police officers. But to try and say that we violated the consent decree, the settlement agreement, or that we're not playing by the rules is just ridiculous. Uh, lastly, Chief, uh, before we let you go, and I know you've uh, talked to the Star Tribune about this case and, and to others, but this is the first chance we've had a chance to talk to you since the decision last week. Just let our listeners know why Amy Linson is the right person to head the homicide unit. You know, given her past, it was brought up that she sent a, a forwarded an email back in 2012 that was racist. Mm-hmm. And do you feel that, you know, promoting her, putting her in that position goes against efforts to make the department accountable if people see it that way? No. Um, so the email was sent, I believe, March or April of 2012. 
Um, she was not the only person that is an employee of the city or the police department that was involved in that. Um, there are probably a couple dozen others uh, employees that were involved. Uh, she was the only person who actually forwarded the email. Um, and it was very clear in my reasoning uh, when I, I, I you know, uh, resolved the case with a written reprimand seven or eight months ago. I did so intentionally so that written reprimand would be public. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time when I issued it, uh, Dina Winter from the Minnesota Refor- Reformer covered it, uh, yep. you know, very, you know, very, very, very matter-of-factly when I did um, and, and my issue with that was, you know, essentially this to me is a case of group behavior um, that we're obviously single, singling out one person. She had been suspended from duty for over a year. Um, and, and, you know, I, from everything that I saw, you know, she had been promoted years ago. She's mm-hmm. been a lieutenant. Rondo is the person that made her a lieutenant. So yep. for the paper to say she was promoted is another lie. Um, and she continued to have you know, an outstanding career over the course of the decade. You know, the the whole purpose of discipline is to correct behavior. Mm -hmm. The email that she forwarded was insensitive, but that's all that she did. She forwarded it one time, which is also not what the the Star Tribune initially printed. She forwarded it one time without comment, and it does not erase the now 11 years of her career that she's had since then, uh, and that the fact that she has been an outstanding employee. And the vacancy over, over homicide has come because, again, we've lost 40% of the department, and I chose to promote to the rank of commander our most senior police officer, Richard Zimmerman, who is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, the community loves him, uh, and he's just an incredible role model. He should have been promoted years ago. So mm-hmm. because I promoted him, there was a lieutenant's position now vacant in homicide. So what I did was Lieutenant Linson had been shooting this, supervising the shooting response team. I told her from now on, you got to supervise both. So I gave her additional work because uh, shooting investigations are almost the same as homicide investigations, except, you know, the, obviously the person dies. The victims, the, the circumstances are all very similar. So she is the best person the department has uh, for the job. She remains an employee in good standing. And quite frankly, she got, she got additional work and the city should be getting our money's worth out of her. And I think she's the best person for the job. We're speaking with Minneapolis Police Chief Brian O'Hara. Chief, before we let you go, Adam and I started the show talking about some acts of, I guess, mild violence in the Senate, in Congress, people, you know, senators elbowing each other, Bernie Sanders trying to break up an MMA match that was challenged uh, in a committee. Even at the Timberwolves game last night, uh, there was a fight. I mean, it's crazy what's going on. And I asked our listeners... Has violence ever solved anything? And you know what? We heard some good stories about someone beating up a bully or, you know, pushing back where then they were not bothered anymore. And I know I don't think I don't think you're going to get the chief to agree I, I, that, that violence well, solves problems. That's my question. He's from Jersey. <laughs> I want to know if and Here we we, we have Here watched we the video of you run down a suspect and tackle him and get him into custody for the benefit of Minnesota. So, Chief, you got a story you want to share with us where maybe it did solve something? No, I, I, <laughs> I don't have any story I would share. I would tell you, I would tell my sons, though, you know, just like the example you gave, you got to stand up for yourself. Yep. Fair Absolutely. enough. Fair enough. Thank and you for Within legal that. bounds. Within yes. legal bounds, Chief. Right. Well, you know, there is this craziness in Congress, but it's yeah. not like it's the first time in our history that's happened, right? Yep. That's Correct. True. Absolutely not. All right. I, I, 
I grew up close to where uh, Aaron Burr killed Alexander That's Hamilton right. on the banks of the Hudson River. That's right. A duel. That's right. A Good duel. history. Yeah. I get it. Uh, Chief, thanks for thanks, playing Chief. along. We, we so appreciate right. these talks. Thanks for having me. You appreciate got it. it. You got it. I was hoping he'd give us a story, but I figured maybe the police chief of Minneapolis wasn't going to share the time. You know, he might have beat the crap out of somebody. I got a feeling uh, he's not happy with the Star Tribune. That's all I have. I've just got a got a feeling from that interview. He's got some problems with. But the But I Star love Tribune. that about him, right? He just put it out I do. there. Yeah. I get it. I get right. it. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time: baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.